Welcome to Virtual Student Experiences, where we inspire students to aspire. For more information, please check out our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode two and season two of Virtual Student Experiences. Today's webinar will focus on software engineering. If you guys are new to our program, Virtual Student Experiences is a pro bono initiative spearheaded for students by students. And here at Virtual Student Experiences, we want to be inspiration for aspiration. Our goal is to give students around the world an opportunity to hear from professionals in their career industry of interest in a friendly and casual setting. And if you're new, if you're a student that knows what you want to do in the future, we at VSC want to encourage, allow, and connect you with professionals. Through VSC, students are given the chance to decide if their career choice fits their personality, skills, and overall interests. Through VSC, you'll be given a chance to hear from a wide variety of guests from a variety of seniority levels. To find out more information or to sign up to be notified about other webinars, you can visit our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. But before we get started, uh, I just want to let you all know how this is going to work. Firstly, I'm going to be asking our guest professional, who I'll introduce in a second, a series of base knowledge questions so that you can get a good idea who she is and really what she does. And if at any time you have a question that you think of, feel free to post it in the Q&A module and we'll get to it in the later part of the webinar. We highly recommend that you ask questions during this webinar because it's an opportunity for you to get an answer right here, right now, instead of reading about it later on the internet. And without further ado, with a plethora of honors and awards, Ms. Rajay is an experienced professional in the software engineering industry. As a graduate from Harvard University with a master's degree in computational science and engineering, she's landed herself many competitive positions. She's interned at Sandisk, a leading manufacturing company, as well as the extremely reputable and well-known company, Microsoft. She has also gained experience at Spotify, MIT Media Labs, and even Harvard as a part-time teacher. Ms. Rajay now works full-time at Google, the world's leading search engine, as a software engineer. Her dedicated hard work and undeniable talent have earned her many high awards and opportunities, such as winning the Google WTM Scholarship, earning a seat at the United Nations Conference, and even receiving one of the 2017 ABIE Awards, which is only given to women, leading women in tech. Her high-class work and groundbreaking discoveries will surely lead the world in the future, and we're very happy that you could join us today, Ms. Raja. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a wonderful awesome. experience. Um, just to start, can you tell us maybe um, about what a software engineer does and how you got into that field and where your passion really began for that? Mm -hmm. So uh, when I was in high school in, in the plus two, um, so in India, we had this uh, course called informatics practices. And basically, as part of that, we were taught Java. And uh, part of our curriculum was spending time in the lab trying to build some um, Java applets, um, writing some code, and things like that. So that's what I that was one of my initial introduction to data structures, algorithms, and all of that. Um, and I wanted to learn more. I got curious about the topic at the time. And uh, therefore, I went ahead and started learning things on my own, started learning more algorithms. Then when I went to school for an undergrad, um, I got an undergrad in computer science. And that's when I was formally introduced to the different facets of computer science, which included data structures, algorithms, but also like things like operating systems, um, uh, parallel programming, and all of that. So that's when I got introduced to all these different ideas and uh, tried to explore more and more to figure out where I fit in. 
uh, and because I loved coding at the time, I always took up software engineering internships. Um, and that's what, you know, through a very long path, I, I finally come to Google. Um, so to answer the other part of your question, which is what does a software engineer do? Um, we basically try to build the framework on which all your apps and everything are running. So the, there are various parts of software engineering also. There are backends, frontends, all of that. Um, depending on which one you want to get into, my day-to-day -day work involves, revolves more around backend engineering, which is again, building the, the, trying to connect things with the database, setting up the entire framework, setting up the structure on which uh, pe that people are going to use and interact with. So it's everything that you can't see on the app, but still goes on that makes your app successful. Hmm, interesting. And then can you tell us when you were getting started as a software engineer, um, maybe what were the steps that you had to take or were there any requirements that you had to meet? Mm -hmm. So uh, when I started, I tried learning a bunch of different languages. Um, I didn't have much of a coding experience even when I was in my undergrad. So, because uh, a lot of people had studied these courses in school, but I had not done that. I had had like one Java course, which was not very uh, in-depth. So I began by learning this language called C++, which I think is a great language to learn if you're really trying to <clears throat> understand how programming works on a system, how, the, uh, how your, the code that you write interacts with the computer that you're writing it on. And the other part uh, that I focused on was learning another language. So I already knew Java. I went ahead with Java. Uh, I tried learning Python on the side. So these are different facets, which uh, once you start doing it, you realize that programming itself is quite similar across different languages, but the strength of each of these languages is kind of different. So Java is good if you want to make some applications. If you in the dive into Android programming, then Java is a great option for you. Uh, if you're trying to do some web programming, writing a website and then trying to connect it with a database or something, then Python is a great program, uh, programming language for you. If you're trying to do AI, then Python is again a great option. If you're trying to do web. So I, tr I start, tried exploring all these different languages and figured out which fits where. And then in software engineering now, are there any, um, what are the, maybe the main languages that you use now? So on a day-to-day -day basis, I mostly use uh, Java and Python. Um, a other people might be using a different uh, part, a different language based on which part of the stack they're working on. Um, but yeah, since I've graduated from college in Harvard, I was mostly using Python. So when I gave my interviews, I gave them in Python um, because uh, I was studying AI. I was focusing on AI. So my day-to-day -day activity revolved around writing models, which I did in Python. Um, and now I mostly use Java. Previously, in my previous job, I was using C++. So I think the idea is to understand how programming works and then be able to translate it into different languages. Awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, sure. And then maybe what role did your education play in your success? Like how important is it to go to a name school like Harvard or to get good grades in general? Mm -hmm. Um, I think getting good grades is, uh, it might not guarantee you something, but it, it definitely demonstrates that you are sincere in your pursuits, that you have a disciplined way of life, uh, which is important for a school like Harvard. Uh, I went there for, of course, for grad school. So when I applied, uh, there was a, also, I come from a very different country. I didn't grow up here. So uh, for me, it was important to understand that it's not just the grades that will get you 
there or it's not just uh, you know your academic work it's just a combination of all of these and different things show different uh, aspects of your personality it was important because I, I i had good grades in school and in undergrad it just demonstrated that i was going to be able to catch up to the pace at which harvard functions uh, so if you have good grades i think it's just going to be a little bit easier for you to manage the curriculum when you go to a school like harvard and of course going to a school i personally took the academic route uh, because i identified with that and the reason for that is that academia gives you an opportunity to explore a bunch of things uh, in a lower pressure environment as opposed to if you straight away if you're using it just for uh, you know just directly for feeding yourself or you know taking care of yourself there's a lot more pressure on you so you might not get enough time to explore all the different things that you can so i feel like academia for that reason worked for me Awesome, yeah. Um, and then can you speak about your role at Spotify and MIT Media Labs? Like, um, what were your responsibilities, what skills you used, and maybe what coding languages even? Right. Um, yeah. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, I was doing a research uh, master's at Harvard. So as part of my thesis year, um, my uh, my thesis advisor used to sit at MIT Media Lab. Her name is Dr. Patty Mays. Uh, so the field in which I worked was, um, I worked in a lab called Fluid Interfaces and Brain-Computer Interaction. So uh, my responsibilities were, we were trying to come up with this new fa uh, area of research, which is, it's not entirely new, it's relatively new. We were trying to read people's EEG signals and uh, relate them with your visual stimuli, basically. When you see something, what goes on in your brain, we're trying to capture that and work our way backwards. So uh, uh, the languages that I would use were again, Python mostly, uh, but also certain, the headsets that we were using to capture people's EEG came in with its own set of APIs, which were sometimes in Python, sometimes in another language. So it was mostly Python, but also if the API demanded something specific, then we would use that. We use a lot of AWS, so um, there were two of us on the team. Uh, uh, we would, uh, one of them would become the subject of the experiment and I would be helping him conduct the experiment or creating the visual stimuli for the same. So uh, it, yeah, it was just the, basically the entire project was asked. So right from ideating to leading the project to planning how things are working to like writing grant applications, we had all of these uh, responsibilities divided amongst ourselves. So um, yeah, like I mentioned, Python was our, our main language. And uh, at Spotify, I again did a project at Harvard for a course called Data Science. And uh, as part of that, we were trying to build a recommendation engine for music, trying to improve their existing recommendation algorithms and adding some new facets to it. Um, again, one of the languages we used were Python, uh, largely because a lot of web scraping went into it. Uh, we used to communicate with the team at Spotify uh, a couple of times every month. So it wasn't that we wouldn't go to the office and work there. We were mostly working from university, but we would meet them and go for presentations and things like that. So, yeah. Hmm, awesome. Um, so coding is obviously a very, very important piece of software engineering. Do you have any tips as to how to really start to learn those languages? Mm -hmm. So I think the easiest way to learn is to begin, like I mentioned earlier also, begin by learning something like C, C or C++, which really puts you right in the middle of how your code is interacting with the computer. Because certain basics, when you have them right, uh, you can translate them to any language. 
so uh, take a course on C++ on course error or something wherever it's available. I think that's the easiest way because also they give you like good assignments which you can work on and submit and have peers that you can communicate with as opposed to if you try and uh, start learning it from book uh, where you know you, you're mostly doing it on your own. So uh, that's a good place to start. Also another language which I can recommend is Python. Python basically has a library for everything right now. So um, uh, anywhere in the open source world, you'll always find something which a library or you know a tool which is written in Python. So again, if you're trying to, if you're already well versed with programming and trying to build uh, bigger and bigger things, then Python is a good language for you. Um, the other thing that I want to mention is that there are all these platforms like Hacker Rank, Hacker Earth. Um, which have a lot of pro uh, problem statements that you can code up and practice. I think it's very useful to use those websites. I used to do a lot of that when I was in my undergrad because uh, it helps you like ramp up on coding, but also like learn more about competitive programming and compete and have fun and things like that. So it's just a lot of fun. Hmm. Awesome. Um, and then maybe at the high school level, what are some things that students can be doing to get started at an early level? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's good to get started with, uh, again, like you can pick any language. If your school is offering something in uh, any language, then it's a good idea to take that course uh, because something that will get you started with is a logical way of breaking down problems into smaller bits. Uh, at school level, something that I would do was that maybe write a program for palindromes. So how do you think about palindromes in computational form? Uh, in algorithmic form. So even if you don't end up learning a language completely, it's still a good idea to begin that uh, logical way of thinking, which helps you much later when you take when you're actually taking an algorithms course or a data structures course. So uh, just think, start thinking about problems like that. If there is a course that's offered, you can do that. Uh, otherwise, if you want to get started and you have access to Coursera, then you know jump right into that C++ course that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit more about your education. Maybe what skills did you pick up during your education and um, do you use any of those skills in your job today? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So uh, something that I learned, oh, well, as part of my technical uh, uh, expertise, uh, of course, these different languages, uh, but also like thinking of problems in terms of with different aspects. Uh, like now when I write a backend piece of code, I'm simultaneously thinking about which language is best for this piece of the problem, but also how to scale this problem up to, you know, the number of users that are going to use it, which is the backend database that is going to work the most effectively with this kind of a problem. So structures like that, which I was able to think of, or like which uh, type of parallel programming fits into it. So these are some of the technical skills which I learned. Of course, there were other soft skills like communication, which I picked up during the course of my education, which is really important, like how to write formal emails, something as simple as how to send emails to professors or to people if you want to ask for recommendations or if you want to ask for job applications. So these skills like letter writing and these things are quite important. Uh, and also the other thing that's very important is to, when you're working in a team, how to coordinate, how to communicate. These are also skills which are extremely important, especially if you're in, in, in an environment like Google. Awesome. Um, and then can you maybe speak to um, a certain mindset, if there is, that engineers 
or more even more specifically software engineers need to have? Mm -hmm. I think the mindset that you need to have is to not give up um, because sometimes the problem that you're working on is very much bigger than yourself. Um, but also like every day I get thrown problems which I've never worked on before. I get thrown problems in languages which I've never worked on before. Uh, so that spirit of uh, trying to find the solution and keeping going, going after it, but also knowing when to ask questions, that's a very important skill for a software engineer to have. It will help you learn faster. Yeah. Thank you. And then can you maybe share a little bit about your internships at SanDisk and Microsoft and what your day-to-day -day was like there? Yes. Um, so at SanDisk, uh, that was my first corporate internship. It was a two-month internship. So uh, I basically learned a lot of soft skills with respect to corporate there. Uh, but also the project that I was working on was a bit of software engineering, a bit of machine learning. So the problem statement was that there was a bunch of data which kept keep being generated from devices. And the idea was to compress them in a form that is... Uh, easily readable or it requires lesser space. So that was the problem statement. So again, that was one of my first introduction to machine learning. Um, my mentor was really nice. So my day-to-day -day involved, uh, uh, he giving me a problem statement and then I was trying to solve it in the beginning and code it up. And then later he just kept suggesting iterations and I kept trying to come up with, uh, trying to improve my algorithm. And that is again, like something which I do literally every day as a software engineer it's always about iterating on the solution that you've always already put out and then again at microsoft my job was very much backend we were trying to create some new sql statements um, uh, on the backend so that was uh, again like trying to learn a new uh, form of language uh, it, and these all the idea is that they all look like the same languages but they are just different aspects which we've never explored before or maybe you know some apis which are very uh, specific to that particular company so that was a lot of uh, in, in every internship something that i've learned is even if it it is java it might not necessarily look like java so it's always like uh, trying to understand their api and how they have structured their code and things like that so you have to keep an open mind with respect to that Oh, I can't, I couldn't hear. Yes. Um, thank you for sharing that. And then can you maybe speak about your responsibilities at your current job at Google now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my responsibilities are primarily uh, similar. We are doing backend work. So a lot of day-to-day -day involves, um, like if there are existing issues with whatever the current state of the code is, then you either solve that, or if you're trying to build a new feature, then uh, try to do some research and come up with some solutions to build that. But at the same time, uh, like meeting people, interacting with them, uh, keeping everybody's ideas uh, uh, in mind and coming up with what the, uh, the, the, our users want, but at the same time, what is it that uh, the people that are working for us are passionate about? So it's a, it's a lot of that. And then, you know, how to translate every idea into a piece of code and using the existing framework so that uh, the amount of work that needs to be done isn't like so much that people get discouraged. So it's a lot of that. And then, you know, come trying to come up with solutions every day. 
So, yeah. Then can you talk about maybe the top three skills that you use today? Yeah. So um, one of the, the top skills that I use is again, like code transferability uh, in my head, not like an actual physical system, but um, understanding the concept of code. And like I mentioned before, how to translate it into all the different frameworks and languages that I get to work with. So that's very important. The second skill is uh, how to not give up um, because sometimes the challenge that gets thrown at you is a uh, very new um, and also something that I'd never worked on before, but also because I haven't been in the company that long as opposed to somebody who's been here for five years or 10 years and knows the code and database by heart. So uh, for me, just navigating that code uh, is like hard. So not giving up. Uh, and the third thing is when to ask questions and how to ask questions. For example, if I go to someone and say, oh, how do I do this? Uh, instead, it's a better idea to maybe go and say, oh, I tried to do this and I tried X, Y, Z to solve this, but I wasn't able to. So now what do you suggest? So that's a better way. And it gives the person some context as to what you're looking for. So uh, trying to ask questions the right way is probably the third skill that, I, that is very important. Awesome, thank you. And then can you maybe share with us what a typical day at Google looked like and uh, really what the environment is there? Mm -hmm. So something which really struck me and Google is that the people are very helpful. Uh, sometimes in other companies, uh, well, not specifically anywhere, but I've noticed that sometimes it's kind of easy to uh, draw in and like focus just on your work and not be super collaborative. Something which I've noticed at Google is that they are very, very collaborative in every step of the process, which I really like um, because it, it, there's always a level of transparency that is maintained. Um, as far as a day at Google is concerned, I usually get to work by, uh, well, we have breakfast in the morning in the cafeteria, so I try getting in as early as possible, but mostly it's around 9.30. Uh, and then I spend most of my day uh, I, I'd like to check my emails in the morning. So I check my emails and then I try to focus on whatever problem statement is at hand. If there's a deliverable that is required immediately, then I start working on that. Otherwise, if there are a bunch of bugs assigned to me, then I start looking at which one I can, uh, which one is more priority. So I try diving deep into that. So it's kind of like that. Yeah. Ooh, awesome. Sounds like a very fun work environment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of free food around <laughs> yeah <laughs> can you maybe talk about some of the challenge that you challenges that you faced um getting into software engineering really how you overcame them mm -hmm. so i think one of the first interviews that i sat for in undergrad was microsoft and i didn't get through and the and something that i learned then was that uh, um Nobody was going to tell you uh, which company to apply for or how to prepare for them. You have to figure that out yourself. So it's important to start asking questions as early as possible. Connect with alumni who will help you understand, um, alumni or like seniors or anyone you know in that particular company who will help you understand the process of intern, uh, interviewing uh, for a specific place. For example, in my case, two teams had come to recruit in my undergrad college, um, and I didn't know the difference between what the two teams were doing. So it was very hard for me to pick, and I ended up picking the wrong team. And so when I sat for the interview, I basically, that's not what I had prepared for. I had prepared for what the other team uh, had come to offer. So that was the first time that I learned that I should have done that bit of research before coming to sit for the interviews. 
so again, like that is something that you have to do. Nobody will tell you. Uh, but also something uh, else that is challenging is that it's quite easy to get confused because right now there are so many domains within computer science and software engineering that you can pursue. So figuring out what your interests are even within that domain is kind of hard. So um, when you are younger, it's easier to sort of explore more things and figure out which one you are really enjoying. So you can use this time in high school or in undergrad to um, maybe like build a web app and see if you enjoy that. Try building a mobile app and see if you enjoy that. So you will eventually figure out which part you're most excited about. So uh, these are some of the challenges which I faced. And then um, can you maybe give a few words of knowledge to aspiring software engineers? Mm -hmm. I think the idea is that you need to, and a lot of your time you will spend coding. So make sure you're enjoying doing that. Try to solve as many problems, uh, participate in competitions like uh, competitive coding uh, or hackathons. I used to really love participating in hackathons. Uh, so once you do that, you would realize how much you enjoy it, or even if you don't, or perhaps, you know, sometimes now there are rules like PM that you can apply for, or, you know, business and analysts, which you can apply for. So figure out which, uh, uh, where in the spectrum you fit best. And because it's easier to, you know, work in the area that you're passionate about and look for jobs in that area. You'll be very motivated if you do that. So yeah, just try to explore a little bit and figure out where you fit in. Awesome, thank you for sharing in that. And then just last, quest uh, last question from us, um, maybe what clubs or courses should students partake in at the high school level? Um, and yeah. then what is the, the typical path that a successful software engineer takes? Um, so I used to be part of a computer science club, uh, both in undergrad as well as in high school, there used to be. So in high school, we had these math clubs and uh, Olympiad clubs where we would prepare to um, you know, sit for Olympia, national Olympiads or international physics and math. And we, we just had like one set of preparation. So we didn't have a separate one for computer science or math and stuff. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, sometimes even if you are not super interested in a specific Olympiad, it's okay to go and write that exam also, just for the experience or spending time with other people who are doing that and things like that. Uh, you always, but one, something which I also remember from high school is that I went for this competition and um, they, uh, as part of, they had something like a rapid fire round at the end uh, where you had to answer as many questions in, in a minute. Uh, and uh, basically they asked me a question which was completely unrelated to what that contest was about. But because I had spent so much time with all these people, I had just picked up that piece of information about I think it was some literature book or something like that. It, it was something written by Dan Brown and it was a scientific piece of information in that book. So because I'd spent so much time with all these people who had also been reading these books, I just knew that piece of fact uh, randomly. So I was able to answer that and win that contest, even though I hadn't prepared for that specifically. So sometimes spending time with people who have similar interests also, you know, gives you some knowledge, which gives you more and more context about what you're actually going to be working on. So it's just fun to, you know, hang out with people who have similar interests. Uh, and in undergrad, I was part of a computer science club and we used to organize events for other people. We used to teach workshops amongst ourselves. So yeah, that was fun. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for answering our questions. Now we're going to uh, move into what the students are interested in. Uh, first right. question of which is, where do you see AI in the future? 
Um, in future, I think personally, I feel that a lot of AI will get personalized. So it's also one of the problem statements that I was working on right now. AI is more of a, a general thing that it's a, we are trying to solve problems which are not uh, specific to individual human beings. Uh, but like the problem statement that I worked on during my thesis, which is brain computer interaction or trying to understand how human beings think. These are sort of personal because uh, every human being might think differently based on how their neurons are wired, uh, based on their context in context in life. Um, so I see AI moving more towards that, towards more personalized models uh, or understanding how human brain functions. So the cognitive aspect of intelligence. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely something that a lot of research is also going on at MIT, at Harvard. Uh, trying to mix up these different fields of neuroscience, um, uh, psychology, but also like machine learning. So uh, I see a lot of research going on in that direction. Yeah. And second question, uh, mm -hmm. do you think that it's important to know less used languages? Um, if you're interested in, uh, sure, go ahead. If there's a specific niche of things you want to uh, learn, then uh, sure, I think that's that's up to you. Uh, but I definitely do think that before that, it's important to understand the concept of programming. And for that, I would recommend you go through a common route because also you get a lot of help uh, and resources online much more easily available rather than you going and learning an esoteric language or a language which is completely new. So yeah, depends on which stage of learning you're in. Then uh, next question, how did you develop the mindset that does not give up? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, I think a lot of times I felt that in, in the course of my uh, uh, journey that uh, I'm losing interest also. Uh, so I think it's important to sometimes, uh, when I was in high school, I didn't realize the importance of taking breaks. Uh, but now I realize that very much. So sometimes it's important to get up and go do something else, uh, think about something else for a while and then come back and approach the problem with a different perspective. So that has helped me understand how to not give up. Um, also setting deadlines for yourself is sometimes very important and has proven helpful to me. Uh, so even if you're not, for example, I might have a deadline set for the end, uh, for the end of this month so I might not be planning each and every day in detail, but I know that I need to get this thing done by the end of this month. So that has again been very helpful to me. So these are two of the things which are my sort of go-to when I'm trying to not give up and keep attacking the problem again and again. Awesome. And then what role have mentors played in your career and how do you acquire a mentor? Um, so acquiring a mentor, I think requires not just technical level of conversation. I think it, uh, it's also important to invest time understanding the other person from a human perspective. Uh, so in, when I was in my high school, my computer science teacher used to be my mentor. Uh, my math teacher used to be my mentor as well. So uh, they would always call me. And so they initiated the conversation at that point and they wanted to know what I'm interested in. So they would keep suggesting which books I should read or which kind of problems I should be solving. And they would write, sign me up for a lot of uh, contest so that I could go and get that experience as well. So if there's a teacher that you think you connect with, then it's important to go and have that conversation with them. So then maybe they'll keep you in mind. 
again in undergrad also i had one teacher uh, who uh, who had given us a problem on the very first day of his class and he said that whoever solves it come to my office and show me the solution so i actually did that and not too many people in the class did that but i i made an effort to do that because he was my computer science teacher at the time so i went to his office and then he was very encouraging throughout the rest of my time there because he would always suggest that you can write this research paper you can go and intern here and things like that so um that again and during my industry uh, then thereafter i've always found like people that i've connected with similarly so just take out that extra time to go and connect with them talk to them ask them for advice um yeah pick a favorite person and go after them <laughs> awesome yeah uh, and then how do you develop your top 3 skills um yeah i think something important to know is that it requires a bit of perseverance um and you might not see results immediately uh, so something that i can cite as an example is that i was trying to learn android programming when i was in undergrad um and that was basically java and i had done java in high school and even you know in college but when i started doing android programming like i mentioned it was very different from the java that i had known to build applets and things like that so just you know first the first step was watching videos and seeing how other people do it uh, but then also like try to fix the bugs that you get yourself uh, if there's a system failure that you're getting or if your app is crashing then try to figure these things out uh, yourself because these things are complicated in the beginning it might not come to you but once you are able to solve one or two bugs you get the confidence to keep going and also you'll understand a lot more about how the the structure uh, is functioning Uh, so yeah just keep going at it and uh, uh, again like keep persevering try to fix the bugs yourself before you try and google them or look them up on stack overflow and that makes a lot of difference thank you and then uh, last question from the students what is your work personal life balance like and how do you maintain a healthy balance so um well I, admittedly it's not great right now but uh, usually what i try to do is i set some time aside in the morning for a bit of exercising uh, and that's really important to me because the days that i exercise and the days that i don't there's a i i know i've noticed a difference between the, the two days uh, so i uh, that part of my day is fixed then again like trying to make healthy choices in terms of eating for example when i was in grad school i was eating a lot i used to eat a lot of junk food and the end result of that was that i put on a lot of weight so now i'm trying to eat more of green vegetables more of like trying to in, incorporate like little things which are easier to incorporate like uh, you know drinking some honey and lime every day or something like that so little things like that i'm not a, i i don't think if i start a diet i'll be able to keep all of that <laughs> so i just do little things here and there try not to eat sugar a lot and things like that so that that's my healthy balance Awesome. Yeah. Thank you um so much for sharing that with us. Um yeah, thank you so much again for spending the time to talk with us here at BSC. I'm sure um the students were able to learn a lot from what you were able to share with us today. I'm sure I learned a lot. I'm taking a course with Orton learning Python data science and so um I That's learned great. a little bit from you. Um mm -hmm. yeah, I really appreciate what you were able to share in terms of experiences, mm -hmm. tips, um And yeah, for students, if you guys would like to learn more about our organization, feel free to visit our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. And um, 
Thank you so much, Ms. Rajay, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I just want to add that if anyone has any more follow-up questions which they were not able to ask, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn or uh, new to the organizers and they'll connect you with me. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, if you guys have any questions or follow-ups, feel free to send us an email and we'll be sure to send it to Ms. Rajay. Um, thank you so much and uh, everyone have a nice rest of your day.